appointment to go and see uh, Miss Jean tomorrow. Uh, continue to pray for Bob Schwabert. I did talk to uh, Brother Ron Beckett this week. He's doing pretty well. He said he's not going to get any better, though. The doctors have told him that uh, pretty much he's going to just continue in, in his decline with his breathing, but it's kind of plateaued off right now, and we talked and uh, he seemed in good spirits, and um, so continue to pray for him, if you will. I uh, also talked to Brother Jess Harris, and he and Miss Sarah are doing pretty well. Uh, Miss Sarah still has some very serious health problems, and please keep uh, her in prayer. Uh, her immunity is very, very low, and so they're worried about her catching anything, and so uh, continue to pray for both of them. But uh, they did well, had a good Christmas, and their family was there with them, so uh, it was good to hear their voice and talk with them a little bit. So uh, continue to pray for uh, them, if you will. <coughs> and uh, then continue to pray for Joanne Clark, who's recovering uh, from the COVID. I talked to her this week, and she's getting a little more strength each day. But uh, as you can tell, it, it takes its toll. It takes a little while to get over. Uh, but um, I don't think the symptoms are there anymore other than just being really, really tired and very sore. And so uh, God has been gracious there to spare her life, and she's... Looking forward to moving. By the way, that being said, uh, any of you, uh, either ladies or men, that can even carry lightweight boxes or whatever, if, if any of you have time, on January the 4th, I think is what it's going to be, Brother Kenny, after I texted you the other day, uh, it is going to be on that Monday, which is uh, this coming Monday. I think it's this coming Monday, isn't it? Uh, it will be after, well, we'll probably start before noon but she's her closing is at 10 o'clock and i assume they'll be done by 10 by uh, noon on that day um we need to get them moved in at least enough for them to stay there that night because the apartment they're staying in uh they're supposed to be out of on the fourth so uh we've got to get at least the beds over and stuff that they can uh, live there and if we need to wait for a saturday for a full move we can probably work that out but we do need to get a couple pieces of furniture out of the apartment they're in and at least the beds and whatever necessities they would need for that week set up. If we can get that much done Monday, I would be happy, and then we can set up a time maybe on Saturday, that Saturday, to uh, where, where more people are available to help move all the, the furniture and everything, get all that moved into our house. So uh, any of you that were, are available on that Monday that can help us after, probably I would say we're going to meet probably around 11 o'clock or so to kind of go ahead and get the things loaded that we need, uh, with the it provided the weather's good. Uh, with the anticipation that we'll uh, have access to the house fairly shortly after that. So uh, if you're able to do that, let me know, and then I'll stay in touch with you, and we'll narrow down the time as it gets a little closer uh, on how we're going to work all that out. So uh, any of you that are able to do that, if you're listening online or, or here tonight, uh, let us know on that as well. And uh, then uh, the Petty Bones are going to have a, an outing tomorrow uh, at 5.30 in the evening, they're going to have a, a New Year's Eve bonfire out, out at their place, weather permitting. Um, sounds like we're going to be getting some rain tomorrow night, so I don't know how late that will be able to go. Um, but um, if you want to come to that, that will start at 5.30. They're not going to go till midnight. I told, I told them I couldn't go till midnight, and they said, no, they, they don't either. So they, I think their bedtime is about 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, something like that. So uh, anyway... Uh, I did tell her I would announce that for everybody so they would know about it tomorrow night at 5.30 for uh, New Year's Eve. If you'd like to come over there, uh, there you're welcome to come over. Um, any other prayer requests or if you have something that you're thankful for, maybe God's answered some prayer this week. Yes, ma'am.
Okay. Okay, right. I see. Sure. Okay. All right. And what was her name again? Ashley. That's that's fine. Ashley. Okay. So pray for this one uh, whose COVID has re-triggered the the problems with her leukemia, and so pray for that, uh, if you will. All right. Yes, sir, brother Kenny. So pray for this one. And what was his name? James. James. Okay. So those of you that are online, uh, praying for James, who's an elder, older pastor. He's 80-some years old in uh, St. Louis. Uh, had COVID and found out that he's also got a kidney problem in dealing with that. So that was a blessing, but also a, a prayer request. So if you can keep that in prayer. His name's James. Winston, James Winston, if you'll keep him in prayer. Okay. New Covenant Baptist Church. Okay. All right. So keep this fella in prayer and also the church as they make a decision on whether to stay open or not uh, from the COVID. And I know that's a hard decision. We've paddled it here and uh, trying to figure out what's the best. Uh, you know, we want to be wise, but we also want to be uh, faithful to the Lord. And we're trying to balance that, and it's, uh, it's, I understand it's difficult. Each church, I think, has to just weigh the merits and the, the, the negatives on it and try to come up with what they feel is the best thing. So uh, continue to pray for that, if you will, for that church. All right, anything else? Okay, there are a few other people that I know of that have COVID, but I'm not at liberty to mention who they are yet. So, in fact, a couple of them have said, don't tell anybody, so... Uh, keep those in mind, a uh, few people. They're not in our area. They're not in our church, but uh, friends of mine. And so if you would, please be in prayer for them. Uh, any unspoken prayer requests tonight? I know we haven't uh, had very many of those recently. Any of you have an unspoken prayer request? Okay. None of them here in the building, but perhaps. Yes, ma'am. Oh, do you have one? Or do you? Okay. All right. Continue to pray for Miss Sandy's son also. And uh, he's a EMT worker, so and that's, is that the one you're talking about, Gil, Gil Michael? And uh, always in harm's way, especially with the COVID here. So continue to pray for him. All right. Anything else? Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer then. Father, we're so grateful and thankful to be here tonight. Lord, what a joy! A very small crowd tonight, due to the weather and the health issues that are going around. And Lord, we understand those and. 
Uh, we've got a large number of folks I know that are listening online and others around the country that are tuned in online as well. And Lord, we do pray that you would help that the message tonight and the lesson tonight will be a help and encouragement. And uh, Lord, we want to honor and glorify you in our teaching and our preaching. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have uh, the leading, the directing, the teaching of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our minds that will help to illuminate the truth of your word. And Father, we ask that you would give that uh, knowledge, that wisdom that is needed as we study the pages. And we understand it's very, very um, difficult sometimes for our finite minds to uh, grasp all of the truth that you have for us. And Lord, much of it you've even shut up and said that it was beyond what we could even imagine. And so you've asked uh, some of the writers not to even write some of those things. And Lord, those are the things we look forward to as we get closer to eternity. Knowing things not just in part, but knowing them in full. Being able to understand things that uh, perhaps we struggle with in this life. And so, Father, we ask that you would uh, give us guidance tonight. Help us to rightly understand the the words that you have given to us. We pray that you'll bless those things that have been mentioned tonight by way of prayer request. Many of them are COVID-related health issues and problems. And we do pray that you would uh, touch the bodies of those that have it and are recovering from it. Uh, Lord, even though there's a blessing in this one that Brother Kenny mentioned, there's also certainly some uh, things to be in prayer for with this fellow, Brother James, and his church up there. We think this one that Jennifer mentioned and uh, the uh, complications and problems with her leukemia, I pray that you would bless there. We pray for Gail Michael tonight. Put your hand of protection on him and keep him safe and uh, continue to bless him and work in his heart and his life. Lord, uh, we think of Mark and Linda tonight and pray that you would uh, bless them going through a lot of difficult things health-wise and in just life that is going on. And so we ask that you would bless there. We think of Brother Ron tonight, Ron Beckett, that you would uh, touch his body, strengthen him. And uh, Lord, tonight, especially for Miss Laverne, she's going through a very difficult time. And uh, we pray that you would give grace. Lord, help the anxiety to not be there, that you would give great comfort to her and uh, that you would ease the the physical problems and the the struggles that she's going through. We thank you, Brother Bob Schwaber, tonight and Gene Whitener and Jess and Sarah Harris. Lord, so many of our folks, we think of Deneen and Linda Crump who uh, texted in tonight and said she's not feeling well. I pray that you'd touch her body and strengthen her. We thank you, so many of our folks are not able to be here tonight. Brother Richard, who has to be so careful with uh, the, his health and yet is faithful to tune in and watch and listen to the services. Uh, Miss Linda and uh, the Douglases, many of the others that will be listening by way of live stream tonight, we pray that you'll bless and give grace and comfort as they're away from uh, the service here. Lord, it's so many times they've said it's just not the same. And so, Lord, I pray that you draw very near to them. And then we pray that you'll bless all that is said tonight, and that we can bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's take our Bibles, if you will, turn to Ephesians chapter number 4. Seems like it's been quite a while since we studied on our study that we've been doing on our philosophy and uh, our uh, uh, principles of ministry, our, our purpose of ministry, uh, motives and methods of ministry, the things that we've been studying on these things. Uh, it's been a long time. Last Wednesday, 
because of it being the night before Christmas or a couple nights before Christmas, we dealt with the, uh, the uh, subject of the Tower of the Flock and how that ties into the Christmas story. And, um, <coughs> so it's good to get back to this. And I want to just quickly give a, a quick review of the last time we met together. We dealt with the idea that the measure of a church is not in its numbers, it's not in its facilities, it's not in its offerings, but the measure of a success of a church, according to the Bible, is spiritual maturity. Are we seeing people grow spiritually? Are people being drawn closer to the Lord through the teaching, the preaching ministries of the church? And uh, everything that we do in a church ought to be done on purpose. So our, our motives, our methods, everything ought to revolve around this philosophy of maturing, or what the Bible refers to in Ephesians chapter 4 as the perfecting of the saints. Uh, being able to teach and to train and to equip them. And the Bible says in verse number 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so this is our purpose. This is what we're, our goal is. This is the heart of the issue. Why do we do what we do? Why do we meet three times a week? Why not four times a week or five times a week? Uh, why do we not? Uh, uh, why do we have uh, uh, Sunday schools? Why do we have um, uh, visitation programs or bus routes in many churches and uh, uh, choirs and all of the different ministries that churches find themselves involved in? Why is it? What is the purpose of what we're trying to accomplish with those? And can I submit to you tonight that every ministry of the church? ought to be pointing to this one thing of edifying the body of Christ. Now, that may come through the teaching and the training of God's people and equipping and perfecting the saints for the work of the ministry. It may come in, this, in the aspect of reaching the lost with the gospel and seeing them come in and become part of the body of Christ and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is our purpose and every, uh, every ministry of the church, every uh, thing that we do, whether it be a fellowship or a, a time together, whether it be a church-wide activity, uh, all ought to be pointing itself to this, this one underlying thing of edifying the body of Christ or building up the body of Christ. Uh, we also dealt with, the last time we were together, with the two types of ministries that are predominantly out there. We have um, what are called the preventative ministries, and then you have uh, ministries that are remedial, or they find the remedy for things once they have gone bad. And we gave the illustration of uh, the cliff and people falling over the cliff, and somebody says one day, let's build a hospital so we can take care of all the people falling off the cliff, and so they do, and that's, that's needed. There are people that will hurt themselves and destroy their lives and wreck and ruin their lives, and there needs to be some churches and some ministries that will come in and pick up the broken and piece them back together and love them and encourage them. And those could be some of the missions many times that churches involve themselves in. Sometimes it's just a church itself that takes it upon themselves to help those that have been broken and hurt and are crippled through things of sin in their life and their past life. And so those are needed. But then there's some of them that say, you know what, rather than building the hospital at the bottom of the cliff, why not put a fence at the top of the cliff? We're going to be a ministry that's going to try to do everything they can to prevent them from ever going off the cliff in the first place. And we call those preventative ministries and ministries that try to get out there in the front lines and they try to uh, uh, get out there before people have wrecked and ruined their lives. And uh, so you say, well, which kind of ministry are we supposed to be? And uh, there's been a great... Uh, 
Tug of war has been a great uh, debate, it seems like, in uh, the last 15 or 20 or 30 years uh, between churches, whether, hey, we want to be a ministry that just picks up the brokenhearted and binds the brokenhearted. That's our church. That's what we are. Or other churches that say, boy, we're going to preach uh, hard on sin and we're going to preach doctrine, we're going to preach standards uh, so that people will know that they're not supposed to go beyond that point. They're not supposed and uh, so there's been a tug of war between the church. And, and can I tell you this, that uh, as a church, we're supposed to be both. We're supposed to be both. We're to have the standards. We're to teach the doctrine. We're to teach the principles of God's Word. And we're to prevent as many people from falling and ruining and wrecking their lives as possible. But when they do, we don't just kick them out and say, you don't fit in our church anymore. We go to them and we pick them up and we dust them off and we help, wound, we help bind the wounds and restore them. That is still in the Bible. Amen? Restoration is still in the Bible. And we need to be firm on sin. And as we preach Sunday, we need to have a hatred for sin. And we need to have anger towards sin. And we need to really hold the line when it comes to this thing of sin in the church. And make sure that we are teaching our folks how God views sin. But when that moment comes that a Christian or uh, even maybe an unsaved person wrecks and ruins their lives, we also better be standing there with open arms trying to help them come back to the Lord Jesus Christ and get their life straightened out again. And so we are to be both, and we dealt with that the last time that we met together. Now, in, in dealing with all of this, um, there are certain things that ought to be essential in the church, in order for us to follow our philosophy of ministry and our purpose of ministry, there are certain things that ought to be essential, and then there are other things that I would say are, are enhancers to the ministry. They're not essential to the ministry, but they're enhancers. I, I'll illustrate this. I wish I could claim this illustration as my own. It's not. I heard another preacher use this one, and I like it, and I think it fits well, so we're going to use this one. But uh, he used the idea of making a cake, and I'm not a baker, and uh, I know a lot of you ladies like to do uh, baking or some of that kind of stuff. <coughs> but when you bake a cake, you have essential ingredients, and then you have the ingredients that are the enhancers for the cake. And um, uh, back when I was married, my wife would, uh, for a while, try to, to get into, well, didn't try, she successfully did get into doing nice cakes and selling them, wedding cakes and things like that. And so uh, our house always smelled like, you, you wonder why I'm this big. Uh, it's from all the cake that I used to eat. And uh, she would pull those cakes out of the oven. And, uh, it would take uh, flour, perhaps, and uh, eggs and um, sugar and, uh, I don't know, whatever else you put in those things. All these ladies that maybe know what all goes in there, flavoring and uh, all these things that are essential to the cake. And then you bake the cake and it comes out of the oven. And, boy, it smells good, doesn't it? And I remember she used to have to slice some of the top of the cake off and flatten it, and she would throw them away. And I got her. I said, "Listen, quit throwing that stuff away. That's good for me. That's good health food." And um, so I would eat that cake, but I would just eat the cake before it was ever. You know, it was just little scraps of stuff, so it didn't have icing on it. And so you had certain ingredients that were essential, or you couldn't have a cake. But then you had other things that enhanced the cake, and the enhancers to the cake would be things like the icing. Or you maybe would put decorations on it. Uh, sometimes they were edible decorations. Sometimes you put little flowery things or little things on it. Uh, candles would be an enhancer. Uh, writing different things on it would be enhancers to the cake. Those are not necessary for the cake to exist. 
And so there are certain things in churches that are, are what we would consider to be essential to accomplish our purpose and to follow our philosophy of ministry. And then there are things that are enhancers to that. They're not necessary, but they are, are helpful uh, to, to help uh, the, the overall program, if you will, of the church. And here's the problem that we face and what a lot of churches do today is they take the enhancers and they make them the essentials. And then they take the essentials and they just throw them out. And so they end up being a lot of fluff. They end up being a lot of uh, light, literally, <laughs> smoke and lights and uh, different things that uh, they put in there to appeal to people, to make it taste better, to make it uh, more appealing to people. Um, they have a, a lot of activities, and they believe that. Uh, I remember as a as a young man coming out of Bible college and going into the, uh, working with youth. Uh, boy, I thought, man, if I have great activities, boy, this youth group is going to grow. And it used to base uh, my my main thing. I spent more time working on activities than I did on the Sunday school lesson I was going to teach that week, or uh, some of the things that I was going to try to work on spiritually with the young people. And I I, I had things out of order in in the early part of my ministry. Uh, I would use enhancers as the main thing and think this is how you grow a youth department. And a lot of churches mistake this, and they get things out of order. They use the enhancers of the ministry to try to build and grow the church. And that's never going to accomplish the purpose of the church, which is to mature the saints, to edify the body of Christ. Those things are not going to be the things that accomplish that work. And so we find that there's a lot of churches out there that use the, uh, the things that are enhancers as the essential ingredients of the church. They don't have a philosophy that directs them. They don't have a biblical philosophy that directs them. They don't have uh, uh, biblical <coughs> purposes. They don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. They think that the purpose is to have the largest church in the area or to get the biggest offerings or to have the nicest facilities. Can I tell you this? The ministry is not about people. It's not about buildings. Or, I'm sorry, it is about people. It's not about buildings. It's not about uh, offerings. It's not about facilities. It is about people. That is the ministry. If Keith the Heights Baptist Church, Lord willing, it never happens. But if this building built down, or burnt down tonight, we would still be a church because of the people that are in it. We'd find some way on Sunday morning to meet together. And that is ministry. It doesn't matter about the buildings. It doesn't matter about the offerings. It doesn't matter about uh, how influential you are in the community. It's about the people. Are we helping people? Are we maturing people? Are we building people? Are we growing people in the Word of God? And uh, so it's important that we understand there are essential ingredients of a ministry and then there are enhancing ingredients of the ministry. And we need to be careful not to get them mixed up. Now let me give you the three essential ingredients of a church. Uh... Following our philosophy of ministry, following our purpose of ministry that we've gotten from the Scriptures, these are the three things that are necessary in a church. Number one, there needs to be evangelism. There needs to be evangelism. By the way, I'm not giving you these in the order of priority. I'm just listing them in a list, all right? There needs to be evangelism in a church. We need to be reaching people with the gospel. Number two, there needs to be spiritual growth in the individuals of a church. There needs to be spiritual growth in the individuals of a church. And then number three, there needs to be Bible study. There needs to be Bible study. We need to be learning doctrine. We need to learn what God's Word said. We need to be able to rightly divide and handle 
God's Word. We need to be able to use God's Word skillfully. Um, very important that we understand these things. Now, it's interesting that these are the, the necessary ingredients of a church. Things such as church-wide activities are enhancers. They can assist towards these three things, but they're not to be the main things. Uh, fellowships in a church, I think, are enhancers. Uh, different um, programs that we do. Maybe we have a Christmas cantata or some kind of a special music for uh, Easter. Those are enhancers. Those are not the main things. Those are not the things that are going to accomplish our purpose. They're simply enhancers to the ministry. And so we've got to be very, very careful of this. Now, we can break down the three uh, essential ingredients of the church into three main areas. And by the way, I preached this before. I firmly believe this, and I preach this um, semi-regularly throughout the years that I've been here at least, um, that there are three things that make up every person. And that is what we know and what we are and what we do with our hands. What's in our head, our heart, and our hands, if you will, if you want to put it that way. What we know, what we are, and what we do. Now, here's the sad fact of the matter. We oftentimes spend most of our time in churches teaching and preaching on what you should know or what you should be doing or not doing. And the sad thing is, in the day we live, many churches never or very little spend any time on what we are inwardly. Are we growing inwardly? Is our personal development, our personal spiritual growth, is it happening? Are we closer to God today than we were yesterday? When we left church Sunday morning, did we grow spiritually? Or did we just learn something or learn to do something? Are we becoming something more? Take your Bibles, if you will, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter number 3. <coughs> and um, verse number 18. Now let me just say this very quickly. God is interested in all three of these. But I will tell you this, and we're going to see this in Scripture in just a moment. That God is far more concerned with what we are inwardly than what we know and what we do. Now, that is not to discount that we should not know things. The Bible does say, study to show thyself approved unto God. Does it not? The Bible talks about us knowing doctrine and making sure we have sound doctrine. And so, God does emphasize what we know. Can we think of Scripture that tells us that we're to do certain things or not do certain things? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Is God interested in that? Certainly. Um, live rightly. You know, walk, don't walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Is God interested in what we do? Yes, He is. But out of the three, God far more is concerned with what we are inwardly than what we know and what we do. If we are not becoming something inwardly, then we are failing as a church. We're not accomplishing our purpose of maturing the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If all I can ever do as a pastor is teach you doctrine or teach you what you should or shouldn't do from God's Word, and that's the vast majority of my preaching, then I've failed as a pastor. Because I need to be dealing with things in Scripture that help to make us become more of what we should be inwardly. Not just hearing, 
Not just doing, but taking heed and letting it become part of us. We understand the situation we're looking at here. Now let's take a look at some things here. Second Peter chapter three and verse number eighteen. <clears throat> Peter writes this: "But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen." So he gives us two things here: we're to grow in the grace, and we're to grow in the knowledge. So again, I'm not saying that God is not interested in what we know or what we do. He is. But the first thing that Peter deals with here in this particular verse is that we are to grow in the grace of God. We're to become something new. And so it's very, very important that we understand this. Now, dealing with the three essentials of the church, evangelism is what we do. We're going, we're doing something. Our spiritual growth is what we are inwardly. And then our Bible study is what we know. So it deals with all three areas. That's, that is a well-balanced ministry that makes those three things the essentials for their church. That we evangelize, we have spiritual growth, and we have Bible study. We have learning and studying and knowing things. Those deal with the three parts of men. Now, take your Bibles, if you will, turn to 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. We're going to see another area where this is mentioned uh, or, or given uh, indirectly in how that Paul teaches Timothy to do something here. <coughs> Second Timothy chapter number two. Second Timothy chapter number two. Thou therefore, verse number one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the graces in Christ Jesus. And I want us to look very closely at verse number two. And the things which thou hast heard of me. So let's stop there for a moment. Could we say that that is what Timothy knows? Is that what Timothy knows? So that would be dealing with the knowledge, wouldn't it? The things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit. Now, if we were to say, okay, Timothy is to take what he knows, and he is to commit it to faithful men, that would be his, not his knowledge, but his doing. All right? That's what his hands would be doing. He would commit it. To faithful men. He's going to teach them. He's going to go out there and he's going to teach them certain things. So he's to take what he knows and he is to teach them. But I want you to notice this, that he doesn't just say that he's to teach just anybody or commit these things to anybody, just anybody. But he says this, the same commit thou to who? Faithful men. That deals with what those men are inwardly. They need to gain the knowledge and the doing. But notice that the first requisite that is given to Timothy is, go out and find you some faithful men. Find some men that are already what they should be inwardly. And then teach them the knowledge and teach them to go and do. We get those things backwards. We teach people what to know, what to do, and then we expect them to just automatically become what they are on the inside. There's a group of people in the Bible that were this way. They had a lot of knowledge and they were very zealous to do things. But inwardly, they were not what they should have been. Anybody remember what they, we called them? Jesus always was at odds with them. The Pharisees. The Pharisees. If you remember about it, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 23. Let's take a look at that very quickly. You'll find something very interesting here, and I've taught this before. So this is not anything new, but it's in the process of teaching all of these things and how they all tie together in maturing the, the saints for the work of the ministry. Matthew chapter number 23, and let's start in verse number 23. <clears throat> Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, what does he call them? 
<laughs> he calls them hypocrites. Okay, because they're seeming to be something on the outside that they are not on the inside. By the way, uh, people can see what you know because you're going to spout it off to them. They can also see what you do because you're going to do it in front of them. But the only thing people cannot see is they cannot see you inwardly. In fact, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God knows the heart. Do you know that we don't even know our own hearts as well as God knows them? Our hearts can be deceitful. They can even deceive ourselves. The Bible talks about the fact that people can be deceived in and of themselves. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms that Jesus, or that God, is the one that searcheth and trieth the reins of the heart. He knows. He's, he, it says that man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the what? He looketh on the heart, doesn't he? He looks on the inside. So let's take a look here in verse number 23. He calls them hypocrites because they were outwardly fine, but inwardly they were, they were not right. For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and uh, have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Verse number 24. Ye blind guides. <laughs> so they're doing what they're supposed to be doing outwardly, but he says they're blind. Why? Because they're not what they should be on the inside. And can I tell you this, that the knowledge that we give or that we teach or that we obtain and the actions that we do, whether it be in evangelism or even uh, the things that we do not do, we abstain from, if the heart is right, what we know and what we do will be right. But when the heart is wrong, we can know all there is to know about Scripture and we can attempt to do all these things uh, outwardly. And we will not be able to accomplish the work that God has us to do the way that He wants us to do it. He says in verse number 24, Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees. And again, here he goes, hypocrites. For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is... What? Let's stop and look at verse 26. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that God is more concerned with the inside than what we know and what we do? Because he tells us in verse 26. He says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse... What's the next word here? First. First cleanse. That which is what? Within the cup and platter. That the outside of them may be clean also, when I tell you that if the heart is right, the outside will be right, there's the verse for it. It's possible for the outside to be right, but the inside to be rotten, isn't it? But it is impossible for the heart to be right and the outside not to be right. Cannot happen. If the outside's not right, you can rest assured the heart's not right. People that say, well, God knows my heart. I, I know I can't do, I, I, I'm not being what I should be, but God knows my heart. Yeah, He does. And He knows that it's not first being cleaned. Because the heart has to be first cleaned before all these outward things will be cleaned. 
before all the outward things are concern, of concern. Now notice in verse number 27, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, because ye build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers of them in the blood of the prophets, wherein you be witnesses unto yourself that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. They said, boy, if we had been there, we wouldn't have done those things. Yeah, they sure would have. Because God knew inwardly they weren't what they were supposed to be. Here's the problem. If a church focuses primarily on what we know and what we're to do or not do, and does not take Scripture to help deal with what we are inwardly, then we are destined to get to a point where we are creating in our church hollow Christians. We've made a church membership that knows how to look right, they know how to speak right, they know how to act right, but inside they are as rotten as can be. Can I tell you this? My purpose as a pastor, my heartbeat as a pastor, is to point the arrow of God's Word at the heart. To get each and every one of us to say, boy, that is of primary importance. If I can get my heart, my walk with God, my growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, if that can become paramount in my life, if that can become the the highest, noblest, loftiest goal of my life, then what I know and what I do will take care of itself. When the inside is right, I will have such a hunger and thirst to know more of God's Word. When the inside is right, I, will have, I won't be going about trying to, uh, to evangelize people and I, I look at my watch and, oh man, it's Thursday at 7 o'clock. It is time for visitation. Oh boy, I, here we go again. Pastor's God is coming out again. We won't look at it like that. We'll look at every opportunity that God brings across our path to reach people with the gospel. It won't be a Thursday night at 7 o'clock thing. I don't, I don't even like that concept. We as God's people are to be soul winning and evangelizing everywhere we go, all the time. Opportunities that cross our paths every single day. Uh, we ought not to have just a set time where we say, okay, I'm going to go soul winning. This I've been in soul winning clinics all of my life. And every time I've gone to them, they said, you need to have a set time. You need to have a set. Can I tell you this? We need to be doing it all the time. I was in the middle of COVID. I mean, it was a rough night for me. and The nights were terrible. And my phone rang at 10 o'clock at night. And, and I, 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 was, I, I wasn't even answering texts at that time. I wasn't answering phone calls hardly at all. I mean, I was just miserable. I couldn't even hardly talk. I couldn't keep my thoughts in right. And I looked at the number, and it didn't come up with a name. And I thought, I don't even know who's calling. And it's 10 o'clock at night, and I'm sick, and I'm tired, and I'm like, oh, I can't, oh, I can't bear this. But it was a local number. And I thought, man, what if somebody just needs some help tonight? And I, I answered the phone. And there's a young man on the end of the line. We talked for an hour and a half. I've known him and I've, I've met him several times before. He's claimed to be saved. I asked him that night because he shared with me some of the problems he was going through. I said, are you sure that if you died tonight you'd go to Are you sure you're saved? Do you, know, do you know for sure that you're saved? He said, no, I do not. 
spent 30 minutes or probably better pleading with him, showing him scripture. I haven't heard back from him. I don't know if he has ever trusted Christ as a Savior since then, but surely he had a lot to know about. When I hung up, I asked him, I said, will you please think on the things I've shared with you tonight? Can I tell you this? When it comes to evangelizing and doing things outwardly, we don't schedule those times. It's just our reasonable service. It's just what we're supposed to be doing as a Christian all the time. But we get these things backwards. We focus so much on what we do or what we're not supposed to do. I know ministries that preach and teach specific standards so hard and so often that that's all their ministry is known for is the standards that they have. And they've got a lot of people in their church that act and look and seem right. But if God could open our spiritual eyes to where we could see the hearts, I believe many of them in those churches would be as rotten on the inside as, as it could be. You know, one thing I've found over the years is that when the heart is right, we'll have right standards. They'll become more and more every day as we read Scripture, as we learn and thirst and hunger for God's Word. We'll know what standards we ought to be following. If the inside is right, we won't have a problem opening our Bible every day. Not just to read a reading list and check off our assigned chapters for the day. But we'll open this book. And we'll look into its pages with great joy and anticipation. What is God going to show me from His Word today? Folks, we are in a day where churches do not teach this to their people. We're in a day where churches are content with taking the things that, that are the fluff, if you will. The things that are the enhancers. And they make them the primary things of the ministry. My heart's desire for our, our church and our people in our church, it's my heart's desire in my life that I become inwardly what God wants me to be. If I can get that part taken care of, then the things that I know will take care of themselves. And the things that I do will take care of themselves. And then you'll find out that you have a testimony that is pleasing to the Lord and it's, you haven't even hardly thought about it. It's just been what naturally comes. By the way, the Bible refers to that as the fruit of the Spirit. As the inside is right, as we are yielded and, and, and able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives, His fruit comes out in us. It just does. It's not something we labor toward. It's not something we try to say, oh, I need to have more love in my life. Or I need to have more joy or more peace or more long-suffering. We don't even focus on those things. We focus on God and having our walk with Him right. And those things just become apparent in our life. I'm not against preaching on standards. not against preaching against sin. I'm not against teaching doctrine, studying God's Word and learning it more. I think those things are 
two of the three necessary things in a church. But when God tells us that the inside is the first priority, then as a church, I think we need to make that our first priority. That we become something inwardly before we deal with the heart, the mind and the hands, what we know and what we do. May we learn to cleanse the heart. May we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Young people, we got some young people here, Brother Kenny's family and uh, others that may be listening. Be careful. Be careful that you do not just become outwardly what you know is expected of you. I grew up in a pastor's home. And I, my parents did not intentionally do this, but it was just something I assumed as a young person. I had a testimony to keep because of whose kids I, whose kid I was. I knew that I had to live a certain way as a young person or it would reflect badly and poorly on my mom and my dad. And so I learned how to outwardly look a certain way, talk a certain way, be a certain way. But it was not until God saved me at the age of 13 that there was something different on the inside that began to grow. And I found out that when I got out from under my mom and dad's house and their rules, guess what? There were still some standards in my life. And that shocked me. I'll be honest with you, it shocked me. I got out into college and where I could kind of start making some of my own choices. And then I got married in a full-grown man where I could certainly make my own choices. And I was shocked at the standards that I had. Not because I needed to please mom and dad anymore. But because I loved the Lord and I did not want to displease Him. There was something inside of me that was driving me to have the right kind of thoughts. Driving me to have the right kind of actions. Do I succeed all the time at it? No. (laughs) Not by any means. Neither will you. But it ought to be the driving force of our Christian life. It ought to be the thing that we look at the most and say, Boy, I want that inner man. I want him to grow. I I want to get closer to the Lord. I want to be more surrendered to the Lord each and every day. And I promise you this. And I can promise you this because it's what God's Word says. When the inside is right, then what we know and what we do will take care of themselves. They will also be right. Or be becoming right, let's put it that way. It will be a constant journey, a constant growth. So I want to encourage you in this. I hope you see how as we lay a biblical philosophy and a biblical purpose, we take it from God's Word, it all fits together, doesn't it? It all just kind of seems to make some sense. Then when we do things in the church... We plan certain things. We can see how that thing is pointed towards our purpose. It's helping us to accomplish that purpose or to accomplish the philosophy of ministry that God has given to us in His Word. And so I hope we understand that and see those things. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. And appreciate those of you that came out tonight for coming out. And many of you that are listening by way of the live stream, thank you all for tuning in tonight. I know a lot of you couldn't come out, and we appreciate that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for your word, how it teaches, how it guides. Father, I pray that you'll bless it. Lord, I've done my best tonight. I know that sometimes I stumble over words and 
don't say things quite the way that make clear understanding, but I pray that tonight you would help us to have clarity of thought and understanding. Lord, this matter is such an important matter, something that I believe is the foundation stone of a victorious Christian life, a successful Christian life. I believe it's the cornerstone and the foundation of the successful church that we pursue after things that will help us to accomplish these three areas in our life. And so, Father, we pray that You'd help us to focus on them, to work on them in our lives. And then, Father, I pray that You'll dismiss us with Your blessings. Give us safety as we travel home, as the roads are not in good shape this evening. I pray that You'll give safety. Bring us back again on Sunday for a time of fellowship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I do want to mention one last thing before we stop the stream, and that is this coming Sunday we will be back to our full schedule. So we'll have Sunday school at 10 o'clock, our 11 o'clock service. We will have lunch if some of you ladies want to bring something again. I've been missing that a lot, you can tell. Uh, and we'll have the 1 o'clock service. So that will be this Sunday. We'll start back to our regular set schedule.